Hi there. I'm Mark Swallow, and I'm glad you are joining me for today's God Is podcast. Let's get started learning who God is. Thank you for joining me today from wherever you are and by however you listen as we meet together coast to coast here in the United States and all the way around the world. It is good to be with you today. And if you have your Bible there with you, please find Romans chapter 1, the New Testament book of Romans and chapter 1. We continue on now in our discussion of marriage and what the Bible has to say, specifically about same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage. All along in this series, God and Our Culture, we have been reasoning from the Scripture on matters of great importance to our day. As Bible-believing Christian people, we continually come to the Word of God to be informed by the Lord Himself as to how to respond when, in this case, we are confronted by marriage between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or some other combination. We are anxious to know what the Bible says, and then to reason from the Bible in our conversations with people who accept today's cultural definition of marriage. This is what the Apostle Paul did in his very effective and spiritually fruitful ministry. Acts chapter 17, for example, begins by telling us that he went to the synagogue of the Jews, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence of Christ. This is the model we want to follow. We go to the unbelievers in our day, and we also reason with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence of God and of Christ. People do not know what the Bible says. They are ignorant of the text, so we have to explain it to them. And Before we do that, we first have to know and or be reminded what the Scripture actually says. So, starting at the beginning, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we have learned that marriage is one man as one flesh with one woman for one lifetime. God defines marriage as one man becoming one flesh with one woman for one lifetime. Immediately, we see the scripture reject that marriage is one man as one flesh with one man, even for one lifetime, or that marriage is one woman as one flesh with one woman, even for one lifetime. I say even for one lifetime because the argument is made that gay marriage is real marriage because the partners are permanently committed to one another in everlasting love. It is said that love wins, and as long as two people are committed to one another and truly love one another, then that's marriage. And while that is a cultural mantra, that is not a Bible mantra. Instead, what the Bible repeatedly affirms, all the way from Genesis to the Revelation, is that marriage is one man as one flesh with one woman for one lifetime. And while we must acknowledge and be gracious towards those who experience failure in marriage, such as in the case of divorce and adultery and abuse and other tragic developments in these relationships, still, God's word on this matter never changes. 
From the divine perspective, same-sex relationships and marriages are an abomination to God. We saw that last time very clearly in the book of Leviticus, chapters 18 and 20. That's Leviticus 18 and 20. If you missed what was said, be sure and visit GodIsMinistry.org and get that podcast. That's GodIsMinistry.org. And you will remember we have also visited again with Jesus Christ and read him affirm the Genesis definition of marriage. Listen to the Lord in Mark 10. From the beginning of creation. He points us right back to the beginning. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. There are only two genders. And Jesus continues, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And that's marriage. Jesus says what Genesis says. Jesus leaves no room for gay marriage. Marriage is reserved for two heterosexual people, not for two homosexual or lesbian people. And then as the New Testament continues, we come to the book of Romans. It is to this monumental letter of the Apostle Paul's to the early church in ancient Rome that I now invite us to turn. In a moment, I will read from Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. But just before I read, a word about the context into which Jesus lived and spoke in the Gospels versus the context into which Paul lived and spoke in the epistles or in the letters. Jesus was speaking primarily into a Jewish context where there was a basic knowledge of God's holy law whereas the Apostle Paul was speaking primarily into a non-Jewish or Gentile context where there was not a basic knowledge of God's holy law. I understand not exclusively so. Jesus engaged Gentiles who did not know the law of God, and Paul engaged Jews who did know the law of God. Paul was a Jew, And I just read to you from Acts 17 that he visited the synagogues on the Jewish Sabbath. But primarily, the context in which Jesus had his earthly ministry and the context in which Paul had his were different in regards to their audience's understanding of what the Bible says. And they were different concerning people's prevailing attitude and practice towards homosexuality. In Jesus' context, in the Israel of his day, homosexuality was not acceptable and therefore not openly practiced. This is the reason why Jesus did not say more than he did about homosexuality. It did not fit his context. Ah, but the cultures in which Paul the Apostle ministered, wow, There, in places like Rome and Corinth, homosexuality was rampant. The attitude was to embrace being homosexual and lesbian, as well as bisexual. There were transvestites and sex changes. All you have to do is read ancient literature, and this will come screaming off the pages at you. 
It's all through Greek and Roman writing, among the mere mortals, and also among the gods and goddesses. A number of the Roman emperors were gay or bisexual, and famous Greek philosophers were famously attracted to young boys, keeping them as sex slaves alongside their wives. So it is no wonder that Paul writes what he writes in Romans 1, beginning in verse 18. Hear now God's word. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. I am reading Romans chapter 1, and now verse 26. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. Insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now that is an accurate description of ancient Roman people and culture, and that is an accurate description of modern-day American people and culture, as well as the world, people, and culture wherever you live, isn't it? Well, next time we are going to look with a bit more depth at certain aspects to this passage. 
So I hope you will be here and invite someone to join you as we hear what the Bible says about gay and lesbian so-called marriage. Remember, we are searching the scripture, as Acts 17 says. And so I hope you'll be back with us next time as we continue to discover who God is. Thank you for listening to this God Is podcast. Drop me an email and tell me what you think. Mark at GodIsMinistry.org. That's Mark at GodIsMinistry.org. Please do share this with others and be sure and join me for the next one.